0: Love Talk Radio.
1: I'm Robert Rogers and yes indeed you have Connected with Parkinson's Recovery. This is the show to hear if you or your loved ones are interested in finding options that you can pursue that are helping individuals across the globe reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Just Today, I received an email from an individual who asked me the following question What is the best treatment for Parkinson's disease? That was the actual sentence. And I have to tell you, the answer is after six years of researching this, there is no one best treatment, it doesn't exist. I have to also confess that when I started the research on this, I really had the idea that I might be able to find not just one, but perhaps... A handful of selective approaches of therapies or options that, in fact, might be ideal for literally most people. As it turns out, it doesn't exist because the causes that contribute to these neurological challenges are so complicated and so multifaceted. Every situation, person's situation is truly unique. That is why, ladies and gentlemen, I have created a summit that we sponsor each and every year called the Parkinson's Recovery Summit. This year, we're convening the summit in Santa Fe, New Mexico, February 21st through the 24th. There will be 18 amazing individuals who will be presenting workshops, that offer one perspective or another of what people are doing to reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's. Many of the presenters have been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and they're telling their stories about what they have done to become either symptom-free or see a significant relief in their own symptoms. Other workshop presenters are healthcare providers with one particular specialty or another providers who work specifically with persons who have neurological challenges and in particular people who have been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. You will see and experience an amazing array of presentations. In addition, many of the individuals who will be at the summit for the entire time will be providing treatments and consultations usually at half price or even more than that. So you actually will cover the very small and meager tuition costs by all the money that you'll save if you decide you want to get additional therapies and treatments at the summit itself. It is a true healing experience. Before I introduce my guest today that's got some amazing ideas for you that can help address the issues that you might confront of anxiety and depression, I want to first play a short clip From Joe Rosen, who is the CEO and founder of the Parkinson's Research Organization, who will be one of those 18 amazing individuals who will be at the Parkinson's Recovery Summit in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Joe, tell us all about your Santa Fe workshop.
0: Well Robert, let me say first and foremost how grateful I am that you are putting on another workshop and I'm so excited to be coming. The title of my workshop is called Reversing Parkinson's and Reversing Parkinson's Symptoms. And notice there are that that's two different subject matters. Several years ago I discovered what a malaligned bite can do in relationship to parkinsons and how many symptoms that are actually the results of tmj are act- are found in the parkinsons bag of symptoms as well so we'll be discussing bites malaligned bites and tmj symptoms in one portion of the uh, of the workshop and then And what's probably the most exciting of all in the 23 years that I've been doing the work I have is to tell everybody about the reversal of Parkinson's disease or the potential cure that is in the pipeline, on the horizon, and essentially by 2013, 2014, we could be in human clinical trials. And this is uh, work that is being done by a startup biotech in San Diego, California. I'm very involved in helping to raise the funds to bring it to fruition. And I am so excited to share this information with those people who are affected by Parkinson's. So that would be the person with Parkinson's or the caregivers or families of people with Parkinson's. This is actual... Cutting-edge information not available anyplace else, and I'm so happy to be bringing it to New Mexico.
1: Tell us about the consultations that you'll be providing to people who are interested.
0: I will be available to anyone before, or after the um, the workshop, to discuss either one of the subjects. If Someone comes and they are they believe they are sophisticated enough that they would like to invest in the reversal of parkinson 's in in the science. I would like to talk to them, and also for those who are interested in the t m j alone i'm happy to talk to them. Um, the charges for these are um, are free um, I'm happy to do it by appointment only so that I can use my time in New Mexico as well as i can um, And those appointments can be made through our website, through my telephone, um, however they can get to me.
1: And so what is your telephone and website?
0: Okay, and thank you for asking. The telephone number is area code 760-773-5628. That's a Palm Desert, California telephone number for Parkinson's Resource Organization and the website is www.parkinsonsresource.org and it's very important that it be spelled P A R K I N S O N S R E S O U R C E .org so as not to be confused with any other parkinsons website
1: Joe, Rose and I look forward to connecting with you in Santa Sen- Fe, New Mexico, in February.
0: Thank you so much again, Robert. You are doing just one heck of a job, and I applaud you, and the world is grateful in a better place because of you.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Joe. See you soon.
0: Okay. I'm your host, Robert Rogers, and this is the Parkinson's
1: Recovery Radio Network. Earlier this year, Deborah attended a quite fascinating seminar course that was given by naturopath Dr. Kristen Allett, and I must say she came back and we spent the rest of the evening talking about some of the amazing and incredible suggestions that Dr. Allat gave during that particular training session, I immediately, and I must say the next day, gave her a call, and we have been talking about setting up this show today so that you, too, can begin to get some of these amazing suggestions of what you can do to address the challenges of depression and anxiety and other anxiety disorders naturally in a way that has absolutely no side effects. Dr. Allett is, I am pleased and proud and excited to say, is my guest on the show today. Dr. Allett, thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Robert, I'm so pleased that you invited me on. It's really quite an honor to come and speak um, to your audiences and speak to you, and what a lovely introduction. Thank you very much.
1: Tell everybody about yourself.
2: Ah, uh, so I am a naturopathic physician and an acupuncturist in Seattle, Washington. Um, I kind of so my private practice is non-pharmaceutical interventions for depression, anxiety, addictions, and other mental health concerns, and pre-diabetes and diabetes with people who have mental health concerns. Which is way too long of a tagline, but because I'm kind of in this unique niche where I'm covering the territory that therapists, psychiatrists, and general care physicians aren't covering um, for patients with mental health. And a lot of what I do happens to be nutrition because a lot of who I see are people who are on a great deal of pharmaceutical meds for mental health. Um, So so I am particularly interested in the brain and that's where and how we manage stress and that's sort of where the overlay, some overlay may be with Parkinson's and certainly a lot of overlay will be with uh, people who are caregivers because um, being a caregiver can be very stressful and there can be a lot of anxiety and potentially depression that goes along with that.
1: The month of November is actually Caregivers' Month. And caregivers it is. are Yeah. And caregivers are often obviously fatigued and anxious. Are there things that they can do to help themselves feel better?
2: There are. One of the things that I uh sort of discovered through my patients who uh, came to see me. You know, they would come in on five or six psychotropic meds, and you know the the usual fare for naturopaths in terms of 5-HTP or St. John's Wort just wasn't available, and uh, so I started feeding people. And what I found is that when people ate small, frequent meals with protein in it, they had less fatigue, less anxiety. And slept better, and um, and and part of the, and I can explain the physiology if you would like me to because often the, you know we've heard that message before, eat small frequent meals, eat protein. I mean it's sort of out there, but nobody uh, nobody really explains why that works. And so what I found is my patients didn't listen to it. Would it be helpful for me to explain why that's an important concept?
1: Please do.
2: Thank you. Um, So what I found is uh, when I travel nationally and I talk to people, what I find is that generally they will skip breakfast altogether or they will have toast, a scone, a muffin, a bagel for breakfast or cereal, which is primarily carbohydrates. And when we have primarily carbohydrates, our blood glucose will go up and insulin will go up. In about 1.5 to 2 hours, Mm -hmm. insulin will sweep the glucose out of our bloodstream and into cells, and and our blood glucose will drop. Now, if, you know, 10,000 years ago, that wouldn't be a big problem if we were walking 5 miles to get water. But if you're a caregiver... Uh, or you're working a stressful job or you have a mental health concern, your brain is working really hard to make sure that everything's okay. And that consumes a lot of glucose. And when the glucose starts to get low, the brain goes, wow, I don't have the fuel in order to think this much. And then we'll send a signal down to the kidneys to say, I'm getting in trouble here, and and there's some hormones that will be released, but one of the hormones that is released is adrenaline. And adrenaline then goes up to the brain and triggers the amygdala, which is the fight, flight, disappear, or play the old record part of our brain. And so now we, all of our decisions are going to be made from a panicked point of view, and it depends on if we're an anxious person or we're an irritated person, if we go to anxious or irritated, and if it's too high, if the signal is too high or there is too much stress on top of that, we will disappear. What is disappear? Disappear is sometimes humans, some people know that it's freeze in in other animals. In humans, we disappear into a bag of potato chips. A pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, television, alcohol, um, Facebook, where we are emotionally shut down and we are no longer participating or problem solving. Does that make sense?
1: It does indeed.
2: So when we eat small, frequent meals, what happens that have protein in it? is when we have, say, two eggs and a piece of toast and an apple for breakfast instead of cereal, then our blood glucose is stable for three to four hours, which means that we may have the same amount of stress. It's not changing the exterior stress. What it's doing is changing how our body and our brain reacts to the stress and... And then our mind, which is not our brain, can better make decisions. And so when people are um, stressed out and they're coming in to see me and they're fatigued, I will say, well, why don't you eat small, frequent meals with protein in them every three to four hours? And you have to start within an hour of waking, because otherwise your body has to manage your fuel regulation. And and so when they do that, they typically come back and they say, wow, I'm not as fatigued, particularly in the afternoons. I'm not as anxious. I'm certainly not as hungry, because if we don't, when we have carbohydrates and our blood glucose drops, we have a choice. We can either go get candy, which is my favorite way of responding to that, or we think to ourselves, no, I don't want to get candy because I'm trying to lose weight. And so we ignore it and then we just get more and more anxious. And so what what I want people to do is get out of that routine by eating protein at breakfast and then maybe having a little bit of nuts before lunch, some m- midday. Mid mid morning, and then having a little bit of meat uh, for lunch, and then maybe a spoonful of cottage cheese at a snack, and then uh, a few slices of, of meat again at dinner, and uh, and and often they report that they have less fatigue and less mood issues, which then gives us the energy to get the things we need to get done and problem-solve the things we need to problem-solve.
1: Because I had the advantage of hearing and learning about your ideas about six months ago, I've had an opportunity to put them into action. A challenge I have personally had is a bit of low energy, even depression that keeps seems to creep in every afternoon about 2 o'clock or 2.30. I want you to know... Uh-oh. That when I eat more regularly, and when I try to add protein to these meals that are more frequent, that doesn't happen.
2: Wow, that's awesome! Can I ask you a few questions? Of course. To, not to, but but was it hard to change your diet?
1: It was not hard um, when I realized that the benefits were that I didn't have that slump in energy which was really, really irritating me because I'd be ready to work, ready to write, ready to do what I really love to do. And then, again, I'd have this incredible slump of about two hours. I'd rebound usually, but it really felt quite yucky. So I did have the motivation. My one challenge, and it really continues to be a challenge, is first thing in the morning, I can't really make myself eat anything when I first get up. So uh, it's usually I know you're supposed to get in there within an hour. Sometimes it's longer than that. Sometimes it's two hours, could even be two and a half or three, when I finally say, okay, I think I can actually eat something. That's the challenge that I found to be difficult.
2: Yeah. And that, so let me explain kind of physiologically what I think is happening there. So isn't it interesting that there are a lot of people in the world who go the longest period of time, that they will in a day without eating, which is from dinner, dessert, to, you know, breakfast. And they are waking up. I mean, that's at least eight hours. And they're not hungry, which, you know, it's not because they ate a really big dinner. I mean, sometimes people say that to me, but I'm like, well, you could eat a really big lunch and you would still be hungry at dinner. <laughs> we do we do that at Thanksgiving. At least I do. I have big Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner. And then, you know, we we do it at noon, and, you know, sure enough, 8 o'clock, I still eat food, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, so part of what happens is that people have dinner at 6 or 7, and then they have ice cream or maybe a glass of wine, and a glass of wine is, is carbohydrates. And so their blood sugar goes up and comes back down, and insulin goes up and comes back down to store it. And then by midnight, like the blood glucose is pretty low. But because we're not thinking anymore, we're not doing this high level of thinking, because we're now doing more thinking than we did certainly 100 years ago, let alone 10,000 years ago, the brain's like, we're good. We don't have to think very hard. (laughs) And, And what happens is, so a couple of things can happen, is one, in that scenario, then people can have what I call the 3 a.m. committee meeting, which is when they wake up in the mid, m- mid to early mornings and the committee, which is the, those voices in our heads that are like, oh, he said she should and we should have done this and he should have done that. And there's always that voice that's like, holy crap, I'm still awake, right? And it usually lasts <laughs> two hours before you go back to sleep for your alarm to go off. So that is a hypoglycemic event where the blood glucose got too low the the brain hit the oh my god the bears in the room the adrenaline button and woke the entire committee up at, in order to make fuel and then the fuel gets made and then the you know and then the brain has to get the fuel and then the adrenaline has to be put back you know has to be broken down and out of the system and then you get to go back to sleep Some people will sleep through that and then they will wake up, but they still have adrenaline in the system and they're not hungry because evolution or God, I don't really care who decided this, but when we have a lot of adrenaline in our system, we're not hungry. That didn't make sense when you're running from the bear and going, I think I'm really hungry. And so when we're not hungry, when we should be, that means that there's adrenaline in the system. And what I have people do when they're waking in the early morning, and at either 3 a.m. or when they want to wake up in the morning and they're not hungry, is I have them have a quarter cup of fruit juice, just a little bit of fruit juice, and a handful of nuts, so that the juice will go to their brain, so the brain will go, oh, okay, I got some fuel, we're we're okay, and we don't have, and we're, we'll take our foot off the the panic button. And then the nuts are a slow burning fuel that will come in later. And so I suspect if you wanted to change the pattern, and if if the pattern's not bothering you, you don't have to change it. But if the if the pattern's bothering you, uh if you drank a quarter cup of fruit juice in the morning, just as like I have people just leave it at the bedstand. So as they're getting up in the morning, they just put put it in their mouth so that Within usually about a half hour, the body is really going, hey, we burnt the fuel that you just gave us, the juice, and we need some more. Does that make sense?
1: That's a delightful suggestion. Your explanation, too, of what's happening in the morning makes really good sense to me. It really was three hours this morning before I really ate anything at all, when Deborah said, Well, how was last night for you? My answer was, Somebody was chasing me all night long. Oh, <laughs> in my,
2: yeah. In my
1: imagination. I just remember all night long working and working to get away from whatever this entity was. So it makes sense that I was generating lots of adrenaline and was not really quite ready to do anything when I actually got up. So I'll take your suggestion seriously and try that tomorrow.
2: Right. And it you know, and since you know that you're getting it you're not waking up at three AM running from the from whatever is going on. no, but no it's a whole night it, thing. Yeah. You know? If if you happen to wake up to go to pee, like that would also be a time so that, you know, for people with um mental health challenges like post traumatic stress disorder, they would cause, some of those nightmares would be in the form of flashbacks. Right. And so so one of the things that I will do with people who are having flashbacks is have them eat a couple slices of turkey before going to bed. And what that does is that puts a slow-burning fuel for the liver to eat eat on while you're asleep, and that will often keep the um, 3 a.m. waking or the nightmares away.
1: We have a couple of comments that were written in the chat room that I want to read to you, Dr. Allett. It says, first okay. of all, quote, really appreciating the clear exposition by the guest, which is a wonderful thing to
2: Great. You, I'm, I'm glad it's clear. I haven't done uh, – I usually have props, and so I'm, I'm a little nervous about not having props. So I'm glad it's <laughs> clear.
1: <laughs> The the second comment is, uh, Kristen Allett is cracking me up. I am in the same boat, no trouble sleeping, but I do wait for an hour or two before eating, usually. This morning it was maybe three hours. My iPad and I were all snuggled up and responding to emails. I'll try getting up instead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much for your comments. And I would le- welcome questions, either either people writing in or calling in, because um, sometimes it's nice to, to get your questions answered.
1: So there's your invitation. There is a chat room here on the radio show page, so you can write your questions in there, and I'll see them on the screen. Or you can call in. If you're in a country other than the United States, you can use Skype for free. The guest call-in number is 347-945-5358. It is true, some of my shows are recorded, but Kristen today is a guest who is live so that you'll be able to actually ask her whatever questions you might have. I want to be sure and be clear about exactly what you're recommending with regard to the 3 a.m. waking, that can be a problem in terms of aggregating uh, fatigue. So as I understand it, one of the suggestions is bo- right before you go to bed, you have some turkey. Is that right?
2: Some turkey? It couldn't be any kind of meat, but turkey has a little more tryptophan in it, and so tryptophan helps make serotonin and then mel- melatonin. So I'm basically spiking it by recommending turkey. Um, some people have been taught by the diet industry not to eat before they go to bed. And we're not talking about binging on turkey. What we're talking about is like two slices of turkey. And that's going to keep your blood sugar stable for a longer period of time. And then if you do wake up at 3 a.m., um, put on a bedstand a quarter cup of fruit juice and a handful of nuts. And you just if you wake up and I do this because I go through periods where uh where I will have 3 a.m. waking because I travel nationally um to to speak on food and mood. And uh when I'm in the wrong time zone, my body will signal that it's time to get up and uh and it's hungry because because I'm on another time zone. And so I will just put a quarter cup of fruit juice and a handful of nuts by my bedstand. And what that does, and I, I will consume it if I wake up at 3 a.m., and if I don't wake up at 3 a.m., I will consume it the minute I sit up so that my body knows that we are now in an awakened state and that we, I'm going to fuel it so that I can start making decisions in my day.
1: A companion number that listeners can call is the toll-free number, 877 Again, if you live in a country outside the United States, you can access that number or the previous number I gave you through Skype. Many people who are listening to this currently experience symptoms of Parkinson's or have a loved one who does, will the tools and the suggestions that you have for anxiety, depression and fatigue be helpful also to individuals who currently experience the symptoms of parkinson's
2: well to be very honest i haven't i haven't treated a lot of individuals with parkinsons and so but prior to coming on the show I, I i did some research and uh and i consulted uh with a naturopathic physician who i know who who uh, uh works a lot here in Washington uh, um, with Parkinson's. And one of the things that, that is, cha- I think, challenging in Parkinson's is that when people are on L-DOPA, the, the recommendation, or at least the recommendations that I read, was to eat a low-protein diet because what people have found is that uh, when the amino acids are competing to get across the blood-brain barrier, it can alter the amount of medication that's getting across the blood brain barrier, and so which causes uh the the medication to be not as effective um, and so what what I would hypothesize then is and what what my experience has been with other conditions is that there would be a a higher degree of low-grade anxiety if people are eating a low-protein diet throughout the day. And so there's a balance that I I wonder, uh, and again, I would be happy for people to write in and respond to this, there's this balance between eating small frequent meals with protein in it and not having the shaking and having more anxiety. Um, do
1: you know, Robert, about that? Well, you might want to say some more about that.
2: Um,
1: yes, well, yes, the... I, I, yes it, I, I am very aware of that, and that is a huge issue for people with Parkinson's, and they struggle with the issue of the balance between taking the cinnamon and the uh, issue of protein. It's a It's a terrible challenge for many people.
2: It, it 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 is a terrible challenge and and i was i was was um as i was doing my research it made me um very like very um concerned and compassionate about how people balance that because uh the symptoms of parkinson's they want to keep as low as possible however uh, when people eat when people remove protein from their major meals, what does that leave? That leaves carbohydrates right and carbohydrates can come in the form of vegetables or it can and grains like quinoa, or it can come in the form of um of pasta and breads and What I would suspect is that if you know the The people, the more they ate real food, like vegetables and and grains like rice and quinoa the what those foods, because there's so much fiber in it, are going to the sugar's not gonna hit their system as hard and fast as compared to eating a piece of toast and so what I would suspect, and again, I wish I had more experience and I, and I regret that I, I can't offer experience, um, but I can explain the physiology as I understand it, is that um, by eating more complex carbs, people are going to have less anxiety if they're going to choose to eat a low-protein diet. And it becomes... Even more important, and I think with any neurological condition, it's very important to be eating as many real foods as possible um, just for the nutrients. Um, but the recommendations that I've read and that i talked consulted with is that they protein at night so that they can get their protein in. in and that's going to be a very challenging way of doing it. Um, but that that that's that's why what I was recommending in, I, I see is more for the caregivers in terms of maintaining their managing their anxiety. Um, but I'm not sure there's a very tough balance that's going to have to be made with somebody who's in Parkinson's in terms of getting enough protein in so that they can support their muscle mass. So that they can not be anxious, so that they can have amino acids to to make make dopamine and serotonin, so that they're not depressed, um, and support all the biological needs, and so that the medications are most effective. And I and and as I was listening to your summit and the research that I uh, did prior to coming on the show, I suspect that that is also going to be mediated by what the initiating cause is of parkinson's and and parkinson's is sort of a umbrella diagnosis with lots of different causes and so that people's tolerance will probably be based on where the ca- cause is coming from is my suspect but again i i don't have i don't have enough um clinical experience to know for sure
1: we have a question that's been written here in the chat room quote I don't get tired at night. That's my problem. I am not very good in the morning, but improve as the day progresses. By midnight, I am having a good time, usually. Then it's tough to put myself down for sleep. So I think my cortisol is upside down. So what can I do about that?
2: Well, the the person who wrote in that they know that cortisol is probably the driver is uh, very smart. Uh, That's a good guess. Um, There's uh, a couple of things. So in terms of behaviors, when somebody comes in and is sort of a night owl versus a morning person, the first thing I assess is does it matter? Because... There are a lot of people who don't need to be a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed at 8, a, 8 a.m., and they can go to bed at midnight and get up at 9 a.m. or go to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning and get up at noon, and it, uh, it doesn't have consequence to their life. And if that's true, I'm like, well, I would go with it. Uh, because there are people who are just inherently night owls, Um Now, if that is not the case, what I tell people is, um, to me, so therapists talk about the inner child, uh, and I talk about the child, which is the body. And if we treat the body as though it's a three-year-old, we will have much happier bodies, just like you would have a happier three-year-old. And one of the things that three-year-olds need is structure. And so what's, the things that are really important for the body to be able to predict is going to bed and getting up. And the other is when it's going to get fed. And so when people are having a hard time going to bed, it's kind of like that the three-year-old who's standing there at, you know, and is in their jammies and they're like, I don't want to go to bed. You're just like, dude, you are so tired. (laughs) Just (laughs) close your mouth and lay down. You will go to sleep. And our bodies can get that like that with all the stimulation that is available to us. When I talk to people about what their night ritual is, it usually looks something like this. They come home. They have dinner at 7. If they have kids, they, they do homework and get the kids into bed. And then they go open up their email to see what disaster is happening tomorrow at work. And then they sit down or lay down on their bed and watch CSI and five people get murdered. (laughs) And then they wonder why they can't go to sleep. And so what I have people do is if they need to be up at 7 o'clock, then they need to be going to bed probably by 11 and which means by 10 they need to really start winding down the stimulation and and ideally even before that and so what uh I have some nieces and nephews who are between the ages of 3 and 5 and their mother is really good about you know, you have dinner, you get in your jammies, you read a couple of books, then you go to bed. And that's the structure every night. And that's what I encourage people to do when they're trying to set their get their body to settle down at night. Is I I tell I tell everybody above the age of fifteen the following statement. Beds are, are for sleep and sex. And Not reading, not watching murders, not eating, not all of those things because then we're giving the body mixed signals about what it should be doing in bed. And so if somebody wants to go to bed earlier, um, I help them create a ritual uh, about going to bed and also just lower the stimuli to pretty boring so that they can actually feel how tired they are. And then set the schedule, and it usually takes a couple of weeks, and uh, our minds, the committee that talks to us, is going to be pretty annoyed uh, that uh, we are in this pattern. But what happens is people will, when they set the pattern, then they will go to bed. A little more easily Uh, about six months ago six nine months ago I'm sleep pretty good so if you're sleeping well I don't you know you can watch CSI you can read books but if you're having problems sleeping then you need to to sort of rein it in a little but just out of curiosity I stopped watching murders before I go to bed just to see what happened and I have to say that it after about three months of not watching the the really heavy murders on television that are available i am much happier and i like people a lot more than i did and i you know like what what when we watch tv our brain is practicing that and sometimes we need to ask is that what we want to practice so anyway is that cover the sleep
1: it? I I think that does that beautifully okay. for the person that actually wrote in that question. And they said, aha. So I think that means, yeah, that sounds like a good okay. suggestion for them. We've had several people who've called in and indicated they wanted to ask questions, but we lost them on the control panel. So oh. please feel free to call back uh, to that very same uh, toll-free number or number in the u s the toll free number is eight seven seven five nine zero zero seven three three or the other number is three four seven nine four five five three five eight and we'd be delighted to uh connect you in with Dr. Allett. and i'm gonna connect a person in
2: okay
1: right now. Area code five one
3: zero. You are on the air. Oh, great! <clears throat> Hi. Hi. Laughing, and I'm the person laughing in the text. Oh, great! Uh, my name is Bob, and I'm just Hi, cracking Bob. up for a couple of reasons. <clears throat> one of which is that you sound exactly like a colleague of mine, and I can't believe it's not her. So
0: <laughs> that is
3: very strange. But um, you were separ- separated at birth. I guess. Well,
2: um, it, it, it's a big co- I'll, I'll take it as a compliment.
3: Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, my friend Carrie, she's great. Um anyway,
2: uh
3: yes, about the murders. Right. Um right. Uh, yeah, I'm watching a lot of t- a lot of TV series on, you know, and I can watch them on my iPad so more snuggling up in bed and um watching a l- at least mysteries if not murders, but there's usually a murder involved in a mystery. Somewhere. <clears throat> anyway, um, so I am a night owl, and I guess my mo- I know my mother was, and I probably learned it early, like in the womb. And um, so I've been doing that for a long time. Uh, and the advice to um, like deactivate, uh, start deactivation, you know, maybe around midnight or maybe even before, is a good idea. So, I'll, and I've heard it before because I've you know gone to the Stanford Sleep Clinic a couple times for overnights. And they determined that I had sleep apnea, which was one big problem with my sleep, mm-hmm. um, and that led to my being prescribed a CPAP machine, which I hated, and then I got um, another thing, an oral appliance, you know, like a retainer that adjusted oh, yeah. my jaw so that I so that the, the tongue wouldn't fall back. Yep. Um, so I use that instead. It's a little complicated because I'm a mouth breather, so then I had to figure out to put tape over my lips. So the whole project of going to this, this rather um, comical with uh, an eye mask, earplugs, uh, a gadget in my mouth and tape over my lips. Wow.
2: Wow.
3: Yeah. So do you have a work? question? Um, yes, I have a question. Um, I also, this all came about from initially uh, like three or four, maybe five years before I was diagnosed with Parkinson's. I was diagnosed with Lyme disease,
0: and oh, as you were yeah. saying,
3: that you know, Parkinsonism can be triggered from, how, you know, who knows how many different uh, potential causes and variables. Uh, yeah. But in my case, at least, it looks as though there was a, like a simultaneous or pre-existing condition of um, infection by not only um, bacteria, the Borrelia burgdorferi, but also other things. Uh, such as a high high uh, Epstein-Barr virus, seven times elevated over normal, wow. um, and um, protomyxoa and some Ehrlichia, potentially Babesia, and so I've been <clears throat> I have a port now, and so I'm doing lots of IVs um, with various antibiotics and whatnot. I was curious if in your reading you had anything to say about the kind um, of know the comorbidity of um Lyme and associated disorders and parkinson's
2: well i i i don't have any um i don't have any scientific research suggesting okay. it what what i do know is that um the you know the immune system um, is uh a very you know it it's like the monitoring system for 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 the you know for the for the world i mean really our body is its world, and mm-hmm. uh, we see a number of different infections that can can have impact on on the nervous system um, without any uh, uh western research one of the things that uh one of the tools that i I use with uh great success is Chinese medicine um, to work with the brain as well as the immune system. Have you done any Chinese medicine or acupuncture?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. And I was actually seeing an acupuncturist who has Parkinson's disease. Um, he's since retired, so now I'm working with a, uh, with another practitioner.
2: And do you find it helpful?
3: Um, a couple of times he's hit the spot and then... All of uh, all the trembling and the shaking stuff, uh, inner sensation of trembling, all that just you know vaporized. It was quite amazing. Um, I don't. Um, he said, "Well, he had hit the right spot for the vagal nerve or something too." Right. He activates. <clears throat> in general, I'd say no. And I have tried so many different things you wouldn't believe it, including okay. forty-two sessions of hyperbaric oxygen. And
2: oh yeah, so you've done the whole gamut. Uh,
3: yeah, I'm I currently think. doing intravenous glutathione and sodium phenylbutyrate and um, Excellent. Uh, uh, toxido- choline and all that. It's the Patricia Kane Protocol. Yep. He's back east in That's Philadelphia. <laughs> so I'm waiting to makes see if that has some benefit. That makes sense to me. Yep. That makes
2: so sense far, to
3: me. So far what has worked the best, unfortunately, is um combination of melodopa and arcane and um, gabapentin.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that the, you know the um, I mean you 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 will know more about the disease than I do. I mean that that I will be the first to admit that it's um you know the what I know about chronic diseases and people successfully managing chronic diseases and doing exactly what you're doing is going to as many people as you can get a hold of and taking the best of what they have to offer you and putting mm-hmm. it together. And mm-hmm. because, because with complex chronic diseases, and I, I don't care if it's Parkinson's, asthma, or mental health issues, complex Mm -hmm. mental health issues is no one is going to have the exact same, the exact protocol for any one person. The body is far too complex and the brain particularly. I mean, there's a hundred billion connections in the brain. I mean, you can't, can't even, you know, think about how big of a connect, how many connections there are. And so, you know, um, the people who I who I've worked with with chronic illness, who you know, go to each provider and notice what is the 10% that really helped, and write that down and keep it. And what mm. was the 10% this other person really helped, and write that down and keep it. Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, the per- one of the people who taught me this was was a best friend of mine who uh, has had severe asthma and was her parents were like told that she was going to die before she turned thirty, and the meds got enough better, and that's exactly what she did is she went to each provider for a year. She's like, I will do exactly what you tell me to do for a year, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and then I'm moving on, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. And she figured out the right combination, uh, you know, of eliminating certain food allergies, which (laughs) would be certainly something that I bet you've tried or people should try with Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. Making sure that they don't have gluten intolerance, making sure that they're not sensitive to, to lactose because those are the two easiest. And then going to a Chinese practitioner and figuring out what, you know, what is the point. Okay, this point is really good. And maybe going to a, a cranial sacral specialist. I have one friend mm-hmm. who does cranial sacral, and and mm-hmm. she can at least control the tremors when they're on the table, which mm-hmm. is at least an hour of relief. And mm-hmm. it's an hour of practicing not trembling. And so you develop this toolkit that you can implement as needed. Now is that going to is that going to be the cure? I don't know. Is that but are you going to have a series of tools that you can employ based on if your insurance is going to pay for it this you know at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year? Because that's often a factor with chronic disease. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have a tool set that you can build upon that is uniquely you. And, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the grand level, and then I'll stop talking, but on the grand level, I think that, you know, part of why we're here, regardless if you're spiritual or not, is to discover what is uniquely yours. Mm-hmm. And and chronic illness is always that path of of discovering yeah. what is uniquely, unique about you and what is only yours. And what makes you feel better in the world, and feel empowered in the world, and what does not, and 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 that that's the path that I encourage my patients with chronic mental health problems to do, and what I would that you're clearly doing. And so, congratulations.
3: Well, thank you, and very beautifully put, I must say. Well, um, coincidentally, I've just returned from Washington State, where I was on a seven-day silent meditation retreat, and then there was a, a conference here in the Bay Area that I attended called the Science and Non-Duality Conference, that I'm sort of a coordinator, a sub-coordinator of. So I'm very busy in the spiritual side of life, um, and living in Berkeley, we, it's just a uh, it's a mecca, you know, for alternative health practitioners. Sure. So a lot of people are making a lot of money off of my curiosity. Um, and I guess one of them is, um, who isn't making much money, but she's been very helpful, is uh, Bianca, whom Robert knows, who is a Qigong teacher who cured herself with Parkinson's. And she'll be presenting at um, the um, summit in Santa Fe. Excellent. Um, but Later this month, I, th- I believe. Oh, it's in February. Um, Feb- oh, I'm sorry. Got the r- no wonder I was confused. I was going to ask you why. It, why would you put Thanksgiving right in the middle? Of- <laughs> okay. Well, there's a little bit of the um, what I call Swiss cheese brain from Lyme disease acting yeah. up again. Um. So okay, thank you. The yeah the the combination, the, um, you know, uh, what would you call it? Um, and personalized, uh, tool bag of, of, uh, different, uh, tricks and, um, you know, dietary things and allopathic things and naturopathic things. It does get a little complicated if one doesn't keep a diary and having a, a single list of this is the 10% that worked from this, that, and the other is a very good idea. So, Thank you yeah. for that. Wonderful. Thank
1: you, Bob, so much for calling. Thank you, Bob. That's your question. Thank
2: you for calling.
1: You're, Thank you for sharing. Sure you're Area code? Thank you, Bob. Area yeah, code 937. Nine, you're on the air. Thank you, Hello? Thank you for
2: calling.
1: You're, Thank you for you're sharing. Offering.
4: Hello? Area code 937. Yes, I'm here. here. You're on the air. Hi.
1: 937.
4: You're on Hi. the air. I'm here.
2: It It sounds like your radio needs to be turned off cuz I can hear it in the background. Yeah, I'm Um
4: I I lost my husband in in October 10. Your radio
2: needs to be turned off cuz I
4: can hear it in the background. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, Am I on the air?
1: Yes, you there, are there,
4: there's okay. just a little delayed. I lost my husband <laughs> in October of oh seven I'm October of ten and I was diagnosed nineteen months later with Parkinson's and so I think depression is sort of a, a natural kind of thing for me. Um I get up and get out of bed and, and that's probably the hardest part of my day. And I um and um I go to the gym every day or at least five to six days a week I go to the gym. Excellent. And I, you know, I try to follow a gluten-free diet, and now I'm being told I should not eat dairy, and then all of a sudden it's like you don't eat, you know, watch your protein. Um, I I don't know what you know. I I feel like I've got this sea of information. I'm starting to see an acupuncturist. Great, and he's you know he's he's a wonderful acupuncturist, and I I just you know I'm just starting with him. Uh, I, You know, I feel like there's so many directions to take, and I feel sort of scattered a bit. And um, I, I want to get centered again in my life. Um, right. I'm s- considered underweight by most of the physicians that I see. So mm-hmm. I, I, I do enjoy having protein in a meal because I do think you're right. I think I do eat, feel better and um, do better when I have protein.
2: Right. And that you know that I mean that's one of the things that you'll need to work out um with your physician on uh depending on, you know, go ahead. And um and so, but I, I can hear the overwhelm, like, you know, how many directions do I go and what do I know for sure is working? And, and that's where I think that it's really worth, um, one of the things that the brain does not like is the unknown, as you well know. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't, it, you know, like it does, it, it, when it doesn't know if it needs to make a decision or today or not, it, it, it anticipates that it has to make a decision, and so it keeps coming back to it. And so what I tell people is, you know, to set in the calendar, okay, we're going to do three months of gluten-free and be really good about it, and we're going to track our symptoms before and after, uh-huh. and, and then we're going to challenge it a little and see what happens. And then, quite honestly, we're going to ask ourselves, is it worth it? Because it's a big deal to keep weight out of one's diet. And some people, they're like, I like it too much. I, you know, I've worked with people who, for instance, are diabetic, and they're like, I like it too much. I know it's driving the diabetes, and I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm like, okay, but at least they made for informed choice. And so... You know, by by be getting clear that gluten is either in or out, then you can say, okay, it's in or out, and here are the here are the decisions that I'm going to make around it. Like, maybe you'll cheat on somebody's birthday, and then go back to gluten free.
4: Right. They, uh, it's about what I do.
2: You know, because sometimes you just have to cheat. It's not the greatest, but if you know what the consequences are and you're willing to pay it, it's your body and your life. And then with the acupuncturist, I would do the same thing. I would go into the acupuncturist and say, and what I tell people, particularly with alternative medicine people, is go in three times and see if you are better or curious. Now, with Parkinson's, Probably better is not gonna happen in three appointments. If it does, keep going. But curious might be there. And curious might come up because maybe the trembling's still there, but uh-huh. you get off the table and you feel better within yourself.
4: Okay. I, I did, I did the first time, yeah.
2: You know, okay, we're gonna keep trying. But then, right. you know, mark, marking your calendar, like, okay, we're going to go to this ac- – they, they passed the three-appointment test, and now, you know, you're going to say, you know, sometimes with health insurance you've got 12 appointments, and so that's just going to be your criteria. It's a random criteria. Okay, and you, the acupuncturist has three appointments or 12 appointments to really see what's possible. And then right. you're going to be at a new, new cutoff line where you're like, okay, insurance is no longer paying for this, and so I'm going to have to decide. I'm not going to decide until I get there if it's worth it because I don't know what the results are. Now, if it's keeping you from trembling for a couple of days, that might be worth it, Yeah. Right?
4: Because I... you're,
2: cause you're just getting your body to practice, to not practice that, right? Right. And if you're not... And then if you're not getting results or you're not getting enough results, kind of write up a summary and say, this is what acupuncturists did for me. And say to your acupuncturist, thanks so much for the information. I'll probably be back through, but I'm going to go explore, explore something else.
0: I'm going right. to go do cranial,
2: cranial sacral because, because, you know, somebody said that that helped them. And you're only going to take on the projects that you feel... Field that you can add into your own life. And okay. that you can be consistent with it so that you can actually see if it's helping. And because if you're overwhelmed by the plethora of therapies out there, you're adding stress.
0: Exactly, <laughs> because, exactly. Because
2: we, yes, it. We, yes. we don't want to add stress.
4: Yeah, right? I'm feeling like I need to be doing this and I need to be doing that. And I, oh, somebody suggested, you know, I feel like I need to try 15, 15 things at right. once.
2: And, there might, and you know, I'm might better be better when I do that. Right. And you might be able to do two things at the same time because they're working on different levels. They're working right. on, you know, it might be like, okay, I'm going to try CoQ10 and acupuncture at the same time. Well, you probably won't know what's most effective if things get better, <laughs> right? But That's if things true. get better, you're going to kind of keep things in, in place and, you know, decide decide if you have to know, because I have patients who come in and we do multiple therapies at the same time, and they don't know what's making it better, but they're just going to keep steady state for a while because they're feeling better. Like, it doesn't matter to them because they're feeling better. Other people, like, they really want to know what what's making it, and so we have to very systematically add new things in. And everybody has a different personality. This is what I was talking about in terms of really discovering, making making this path about a path of discovery for who you are and who you want to become as much as a path about treating Parkinson's.
4: Well, I think I know. I, I, I'm a portrait artist, and I want to continue to paint and do charcoal portraits, and Having a right hand that tremors a lot makes it a lot more challenging. I'll tell you that.
2: Absolutely.
4: And and I feel like that's I've, I'm ready to give up the rest of what I do, which is it was, it's not that important anymore. And I want to continue Thanks. with the with the portrait work. Not so much Excellent. for mo- for love, but not so much for money, but for love.
2: Excellent. And and. and- Keeping keeping in with the por- portraits and, and 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 loving what you can do with yes. who you are, with with the tremble or without the tremble, and loving that is going to be more significant than giving it up. Oh because, yes, because you've it's not it's not the you that you used to be, and you don't want to be this person now. Right, I mean that's the fear. Right, is that people will give up what they love because it's not the same. They want to be back before the Parkinsons took.
4: I want to be as good as I always was, and I I still have that. I still, I still want to. I still want my skills to be as good as they were.
2: Absolutely, and your skills may change into something else.
4: Right, I, I may have to have a looser look.
2: You might have a exactly. You might have a looser look. I I study with a a physician by the name of Dan Siegel, and uh and you can find him at drdansiegel.com. He's got great language around brain and mind stuff. But he had the opportunity here in Seattle to talk to the Dalai Lama, and the Dalai Lama said asked him to go come back and tell him what a secular ethic is that all human beings on this planet would agree to. And I thought to myself, I'm glad that the Dalai Lama is not asking me that question because that's just <laughs> not that broad of a thing to come up with that. But what Dan said was what all humans can agree on is that they want to be healthy.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Every single one of us would agree to that. And then the Dalai Lama, part of the Dalai Lama's question was, by what mechanism can you scientifically always prove that moves us towards health? And he said, compassion and self-compassion.
4: Hmm. And
2: and I find that to be absolutely true. Is that when we can be self-compassionate for what we can do in the moment and who we are in the moment, life is better, and we are healthier.
4: You're right.
1: I actually have a thought for you, too. I okay. am editing my new book called Language of Recovery. I am always then on the alert for the words that people use when they convey their intentions I heard you use the words want to. I want to return to doing what I love, which is portrait painting. I recommend you delete those words want to. Because I am. And change the words, not want to, but I love portrait painting. (laughs) I love portrait painting. In other words, assert it as something that you're doing now you'll see a remarkable shift by simply changing the language.
4: Thank you. You're very right. Thank you. Thank you for that beautiful piece of advice. Yeah, that that that, that feels like it fits, Robert.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Well, thanks so much for calling in. Thank
2: you. Telling Thank us
4: you. all about my call. What,
1: what's up for you. Have a marvelous day.
4: Thank you so much. A, both of, take care.
1: Dr. Alla, tell us what again the benefits of eating enough protein are.
2: So yeah, so the benefits when when and again the, from the last caller, like one of the things to to work out with the physician and maybe work out with a nutritionist is you know how do I do my diet because it because people will get to a point where with their meds, they need to reduce the protein in their diet. But if they're not to that stage yet, what I would recommend is that they wake up in the morning and have breakfast that has a little bit of protein in it. So this could be eggs, this could be quinoa. Quinoa is a grain that's much higher in protein than than rice or oats. This could be Uh, some chicken sausage, some kind of protein. And then within an hour of waking, and then maybe a handful of nuts three or four hours later. Could be also cottage cheese or nut butter. And then uh, maybe a slice of of meat about the, for most people, unless they're of a pretty slight frame, a deck of cards size of meat is kind of what they're looking for. And You want to make sure you're getting some veggies in at lunch as well. Vegetables are going to be really important in terms of antioxidants and fiber and all those things, but we're looking for the protein. And then maybe, you know, 3 p.m., a handful of nuts again. And then dinner, whatever we're having with dinner, you know, meat or beans and quinoa or tofu for dinner. And then... And then if we're having sleep issues, make sure that we have a little bit of protein before we go to bed. If we want to spike it, we want to do turkey. Uh, putting a little juice besides the bedstand. Um, just a quarter cup of juice because we don't want to do a lot of juice because otherwise we're going to get hypoglycemic really quick. And then a handful of nuts. Or we'll wake up if we're not uh, morning breakfast eaters. We'll try that to see if we can get our morning breakfast eaters. The other thing that I haven't mentioned that I'll I'll just add in is that if, if you ever find yourself really anxious about something, please eat and see if that is part of what's driving it. If the anxiety has gotten too high and you just can't cope, that's the time to get a little bit of juice and a handful of nuts to just see if in 10, 15 minutes if the anxiety is less.
1: On the Parkinson's Recovery blog, I have posted some additional information provided by Dr. Allett about protein, the benefits of eating enough of it, and how much you should actually eat, and a very specific list of proteins that are healthy There's also some information that ties your weight to the amount total that you should eat every day. For example, I see their weights from 100 to 200, and when I look at the weight 160, which is my weight, my target protein every day is 64 grams, and the acceptable range is 57 to 72. You can then go on the blog and you can look, uh, according to your weight, at exactly how much would be the preferred amount of protein and exactly what that might look like, can a person eat too much protein in a day
2: um so too much protein for me is uh, over hundred and twenty grams per day and um and so that what would that so a deck of cards a piece of meat the size of a deck of cards is uh twenty grams of protein, and so um so that would be six decks of cards of, say, chicken. That's a lot of protein. Um, so so sometimes I do that when people are looking at weight loss programs, the, there's a lot of benefit in terms of having a higher protein diet. I should say that some people think that this is a high protein diet that I'm recommending, which is 8 grams per 20 pounds of body weight, which is really standard RDA amounts of protein. Um, There's something called sarcopenia, which in the elderly elderly is muscle wasting and is the main contributor to people falling down and having problems getting up again. And uh, they double the amount of protein that I'm recommending. So this is an an abnormal amount of protein. One of the challenges, again, that, that I would recommend somebody with Parkinson's sit down with their physician or sit down with a nutritionist to work out is that sometimes I have, uh, typically men uh, do this, is that they're, oh, I'm eating plenty of protein. I'm eating a 10-ounce steak every night for dinner. Well, the problem with that is three of those ounces are going to go to your metabolism, and the other seven uh, ounces is going to go to fat. And so... um, how I understand physiology, breaking the protein out throughout the day is really helpful in terms of not only managing blood glucose, but also getting your protein values in. And so, again, I think individualizing what and and doing experiments uh, with the Parkinson's patient is going to be really important. And I hope that I am not frustrating people or making people anxious by Giving these cross messages for the caregivers, it's uh, it certainly would be helpful to be consistent and broken out throughout the day. Does that make sense, Robert?
1: It does indeed. Okay. Many people, when they think of protein, equate that with meat. In the information that you provided that's now posted on the Parkinson's Recovery blog, there is just a delightful chart I'm looking at right now that lists other sources of healthy protein in the areas of vegetables, seed grains, dairy substitutes, nuts, milk products, eggs, and then there's even an other category. So uh, be sure and access that rich information, which is available on the blog posted October the 30th, 2012. For example, for seed grains, you have listed quinoa, barley, dark rye flour, millet, oats, brown rice, white rice. For dairy substitutes, there's soy milk, soy cheese, soy yogurt. So there are many alternatives. Uh, for a person that might say, "Well, I just can't do the protein thing because i don't eat meat, It sounds like what you're also saying is if that's your choice, there are alternatives that aren't meat based Would that be correct that is
2: that is true, and one of the things though that is um, that I point out to patients is that uh cheese and milk do in 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 my how I recommend things to my patients do not count as a protein source. And I was just did a talk in Wisconsin, and they were very upset about that. <laughs> I bet. And we kept having to review it. Now, I, I am not against dairy in the diet, unless you're sensitive to it. I really enjoy my cheese and milk, which is why I know that Wisconsin has very good cheese. But um, I don't count it as a protein source. And the reason why I don't count it as a protein source is that, I have had a number of what I call pasta-dairy vegetarians come into my office who are quite anxious and really protein deficient, even though they're eating, you know, drinking like a gallon of milk, which theoretically should have enough protein in it. And and I think what is happening is that there is a wide degree of lactose intolerance in the population, and that... and. And either they're lactose intolerant or they're overwhelming the enzymes that they have and the protein's not being absorbed because the lactose is not being broken down properly. And so I generally, for the vegetarians, I encourage them to use quinoa or tofu or protein powders or tempeh or beans and rice Um That they're protein sources and not cheese or milk. Now, cottage cheese and high-protein yogurt seem to work just fine, Um, uh, and part of it is that the lactose is much lower in those products.
1: I just discovered a yogurt that's made out of coconut, which I absolutely love. Oh,
2: I will have to look into that. Uh, Is there a protein in it?
1: I well, they you know mix it usually with strawberries or blueberries or raspberries, and I've also seen them with almond milk as well, so uh, in terms of protein, I'm not sure, but it certainly yeah. is yummy to eat yeah. and I'm, I, I bet
2: it's high in fat it should be yummy for the fat content <laughs> that's right
1: that's probably
2: yeah. why yeah. I
3: like it so much.
2: Yeah. Now, the almond milks and hazelnut milks don't have much protein in it. You actually have to look at the label to see how much protein it is. A lot of people assume that those are high in protein, and they are really sugar water. Lovely to have in your coffee if you're not eating dairy, but nevertheless, not a protein source.
1: That's interesting.
2: What is your website? My website is Dynamic Path. That's dynamic, and then it's um, like small little roads, paths, P-A-T-H-S, it's plural, dot com. And I also have a Facebook um, site, which is at facebook.com slash dynamicpaths.com, or dynamicpaths. I'm sure you can just type it in and find me, or you can find it off my website, and I believe that you've posted it kindly for me as well. Um, and, uh, I'm located, my private practice is in Seattle, Washington. So if anyone's listening from Seattle, Washington, that, that is good information. Sometimes I do talks in the Seattle area. And then I speak nationally for PESI. They kind of have a different, it's PESI.com is where you'd find it, P-E-S-I, and, um, so I will be going to the Chicago area in February.
1: I do know that you make uh, talks and speeches all over the United States and the world for that matter, but you also, as I understand it, then are accepting new patients.
2: I am accepting new patients in the Seattle area. I I only – I don't consult with people over the phone. Um, I only see people who can come to my office. Is there an email where people –
1: is there an email my, where people can get in touch?
2: My email is Allot, A L L O T T, at com.
0: And then
1: for those of you who want that spelled out, the website as well as the end of the email address is www.dynamicpaths.com. That's spelled D Y N A M I C P A T H S dot com dr. Allt, if there's one thing that you would like listeners to this show to take away with them, what would it be?
2: Well, I think the the one thing that um the the guest the guest that brought brought up is is when when we're overwhelmed with the options and the unknown m- making making a choice to focus on a detail for a certain amount of time and seeing what it gets you really is helpful to um, move forward because, you know, for me, the the thing that I don't want to do in my life is get stuck. And sometimes I have to, um, you know, make some decisions to move forward. And they may or may not build fruit, but at least I am making the choice to try and try in a way that doesn't overwhelm me. That That's really what I would have people focus on is um, m- make a choice to go down a path for, for a period of time and then see what it gets them and then take the 10% of the best that they get. I think that that's would true. be helpful.
1: Dr. Kristen Allen, I want to thank you so much from oh. the bottom of my heart for all of these wonderful suggestions that you've given to individuals for what they can do to address issues of anxiety and depression as they emerge throughout the day.
2: Well, I really appreciate you inviting me, and I want to thank the people who called and wrote, wrote in and the people who just absorbed the information coming in. Thank you so much for participating.
1: Well, and I thank and I thank you.
2: Thank you very much.
1: And I want to say, although I said this already, her ideas really have had a large impact on my own energy level and life. Those little bouts of depression in the afternoon are no longer creeping in because I'm more mindful of how I am eating throughout the day and I am more attentive of making sure that I get enough protein so that I don't slip out into this zone of effortlessness and fatigue and depression that's really been creeping in my entire life from 2 o'clock until four thirty every afternoon so the ideas sound simple but i want everyone to realize and know that they are indeed powerful those of Thank you, you so much you're welcome it's all true dr hallen and i want also everyone to know If you're at the point where you are, in fact, considering a number of different options but don't know which one to focus on next, the place where you can get incredible information about the many, many, many different options that are available will be at the Parkinson's Recovery Summit. We do one a year. This year it's going to be in Santa Fe, New Mexico, February 21st, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Most of the guests that will be presenting at the summit have been previous guests on my radio show, so you can get a lot of upfront information about who they are and what they do by listening to the shows. You'll also hear many, many, many stories of recovery, people who've had... Serious symptoms and figured out ways to actually reverse those symptoms. The people will be convening at the Santa Fe Summit from across Canada, from Europe, from across the United States, from Alaska, from Hawaii, and from Mexico. So we come from all over to that one place with that one point in time. And the idea is for everyone to get a clear idea of the many options that are available. And better yet, you also get incredible help and support in a healing sense. So there'll be healers there, craniosacral therapist, Bowen therapist, all kinds of individuals who have all of these special skills. So if you'd like to be able to get actual experience with some of this and don't know a lot about it, a lot of the people are giving short 20 minute sessions so that you get a sense of exactly what that therapy is and you can ask Ask your body whether or not that suits that particular vehicle that you happen to occupy in the moment or not. And that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound where all the women are smart, all the men are <laughs> handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening to this radio show today that you are on the road to recovery. May you have a magnificent week this week and look forward to the show next week where we will be talking about everything you can do to prepare for an effortless trip to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Good day. Good day. Are you still
4: there, Robert?